0: There's some here this morning, and I know you're going through tough times. There's some of us here that feel like there's a resistance in life as we walk. But what you need to know before we go any further today is that you serve a God of miracles. And you serve a God that when your back is against the wall like it was with the Israelites when they were being chased by the Egyptians, that our God is the God who splits the seas and allows you to walk right through it. That's a God of miracles. and That's who we're going to talk about today. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. Big Ernest over here stole my stand this morning. So now he's going to get up there to play that next song and not have what he needs. Sorry about that, brother. <laughs> so if you have your Bibles today, turn to Mark, Mark 5. So several weeks ago, or, or, or a few weeks ago, I was, uh, I, I preached on, on, actually I preached on, uh, on Mark 4 and the end of Mark 4, and, and what it was, was uh, that's when Jesus calmed the storm. And the, the sorry, I forgot the code on my iPad. Um, by the way, I did this last time, didn't I? I made y'all sit for like ever, and some of y'all were like weirded out by the awkwardness. <laughs> y'all aren't as happy as y'all were last time. <laughs> All right, so look, so... Several weeks ago, I, or a few weeks ago, when I, I talked about uh, Jesus calling the storm, and so the disciples were in the boat with him, and so what Jesus said is, hey, man, come on, y'all, y'all jump in the boat, we're going to head off to the other side, all right? And they go, when they, and the other side, well, that meant the area of the Gentiles, or the Decapolis. What that means, that, so it's actually the Sea of Galilee, and I want you to see where, where they went, they got in the boat, and they went across there. And we, we talked about the storm that they came up against, and how it tripped them out, and and uh, so, the last, one of the last things they said, they were like, "Whoa, Jesus calmed the storm." And they were like, "Whoa, who is this?" Like the disciples, right? Who had been, who had been seeing all the miracles that He had been doing. They were like, "What? Who? Who is this guy? Who has authority over the waves?" So, and I tell you that this morning because I want us to recap just a little because I want to get the mindset of a bunch of several fishermen in a boat that, that was their gig, man. That's what they did day to day. They, they were like fishermen, right? And so that wasn't their first storm that they'd ever come up against, but they were so rattled already. And like, and one of the things I said is that, you know, growing up, mom and dad were always like, listen, 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 listen. Because, you know, we'd have cell phones back then. It's like, whatever you do, don't go to this side of the tracks. You stay over on our side. Anybody's parents ever say that? Like, there's a No, 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 uh-uh. You stay over here. Well, see, that's kind of the mindset of what was going on. And so if you look in, and I'm going to just read a little bit of this, okay? So think about that mindset. They were going over to the other side. And it says, verse 1, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains. But he he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and, and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted, What do you want with me? What do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God. Okay. So some of y'all are tripping on that passage right now. I know I was, right? But think about this, okay? These guys are already a little bit rattled, and they're going to the other side. And when they get there, this dude is who they see. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that might have freaked me out a little bit. I mean, seriously, a guy that was like that? Because, see, I used to think that kind of stuff was completely certifiably insane. I want to be honest. Before I met Christ, my mom would tell you, it was, I was just like, that's the dumbest thing ever. And then I, I've learned through several different ways how real demonic activity is. Listen, you may not believe me, but I'm telling you, I've seen it on two occasions. I've I've witnessed it on two occasions in my life. One was in Honduras, and one one was at college at Ole Miss. I'm not going to tell you about it, but I saw something so unbelievably disturbing. There's no other answer for it. And so I'm telling you today that what we're reading, these dudes were going across the lake, right? They were already rattled, and they're met by this guy. Now, I can only, you know, the, the disciples, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not mentioned in this. But can you, I mean, can you imagine what they must have been thinking? Man. Let me go on. Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again Not to send him out of the area, or not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged, again, Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. Now, let me stop right here. Even the demons know the name of Jesus. And they were asking Jesus' permission. You get that? Jesus has authority over that. Jesus has authority over the Jesus has authority over everything. But specifically, right here, we're learning he has authority over the demons. So I don't know if you caught that or not, but it says, then Jesus says, after this guy's like the exorcist and is like, what do you want with me, Jesus? You know what I mean? Like, I bet the disciples were tripping so hard at this moment. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Here's something very interesting. Is is when um when the disciples, when I talked about earlier, when they were going across in the storm, right? And when, when Jesus calmed the storm and they said, Who is this guy? The answer came from the demonic. The, who is this guy? What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the of the most high God, even the demons, know Jesus. And he says, my name is Legion. Why do you think he said that? My name is Legion. Well, in researching it this week, I, uh, well, I already knew this about Legion, but a Legion is 6,284, that's a, that's, those are soldiers, Roman soldiers, Roughly 6,000. Exactly 6,284. So when this guy was like, yo, my name's Legion. Like, uh, yeah, there's like a whole bunch of me in here. Like, you know what I mean? And so another cool thing that they said is back then there was this superstition that was going on that said if you, if, if, if you addressed someone by their full name, So if someone said, William Christopher Kellum, what that was meant was that that was a sign of having authority over that person, right? So they had said, Jesus, son of the most high God. So the people in that, during that time would have been like, whoa, he just hit you with the Jesus, son of the most high God. That's your full name. What you going to do now? You know what I mean? Like, for real. I mean, like, I'm, I'm telling you, what that, that's, that's how it was. And then Jesus says, well, what is your name? And they said, Legion. Legion. And so the, the people that, they, that heard that would have been like, ooh. Jesus said that, that, like, he didn't get their whole name. It's on now. It's on. But see, that's not what happened, is it? No. It's not what happened. Let me keep reading. Large, so back to 11. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Now, so the herd, 2,000 in number. Okay, remember where we are, Right? You're on the Gentile. They're in the Gentile area. So what does that mean for us? They weren't just hanging out with pigs. Like the Israelites, they don't want nothing to do with a pig. Right? The Jews don't want pigs. They don't even want to touch them. But the Gentiles are like, ooh, that looks good like a lot of us here. It's pretty solid. My wife cooks a mean pork tenderloin. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> they came to Jesus. listen, and then it says, the pigs... Those tending the pigs ran out because the pigs went off and were drowned, went off the bank and were drowned. It says those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And The people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, right? They saw him sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And what? they were afraid. They saw him sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Well, you know what tripped me out about that? You know what tripped me out? They were more scared of a dude whose life had been totally transformed by Jesus than they were from a demoniac. I learned that word this week too, by the way. (laughs) I want to use it. Demoniac. Like a demon possessed guy. Like if we had a demon possessed dude running around our neighborhood, would would he scare you more? Or would somebody that had their life radically changed by Christ, would that scare you more? Something to think about. That freaked them out. They were scared. And then, and so look what happened. They were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well, Then the people began to plead with Jesus to lead their region. In fact, Luke says all the people. So all the people. So now you're in this area, right? And you got all these people. It says all of them are coming. And Man, get out of here. Dude, get out of here. Get in your boat and go back to the other side of the lake. Because you are not welcome here because whatever you're doing is a threat to us. They didn't like it. They ran him out. So where am I going with this today? There's a couple of things, and I, I know a lot of y'all are like, dude, we started real late today. We got lunch at 15. You need to tie this thing up. Y'all just bear with me. I know one person is thinking that at least. <laughs> but listen, so look, I'm going to be brief. Satan is real, and he wants one of two things. He wants one of two things, and every one of us needs to believe this. All he wants, and it ties to either way you look at it, He wants our focus to be on him. And the reason why is so that it's not on Jesus. Right? So that it's not on Jesus. Because what happens when we take our focus off of Jesus? It's not good. I can tell you from personal experience, I've done it. As a believer. As someone that stands up here and proclaims, and it's what I do, and then every once in a while, I'll take my focus off of it. I got this medicine called Mobic that I have to take every day because I've had a whole bunch of back surgeries. And, and it, I do it all the time. Like, I'll be like, man, I feel good. And then three days ago behind, I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm starting to feel bad again. I realized because I felt good, I felt so good that I forgot to take my medicine. And then three days later, my back has hurt me so bad. I'm like, golly. And my wife's like, do you take your medicine? No. I didn't. And see, a lot of times my spiritual life, our spiritual life can be just like that, can't it? Because what Satan will do is he'll take one little thing to get us sidetracked so that our focus is not on Jesus, but our focus is on anything but Jesus. Because when that happens, man, speaking from experience, things can go south pretty quick in my life. So look, don't overestimate, don't overestimate or underestimate Satan. And stay focused on Christ. But there's two there's two real points that we see in this scripture. One is, as we see here, Jesus is Lord over the dark powers that enslave us. We just sang a song, talk about I'm no longer slave to fear. But I ask you, what are you no longer slave to? What, what is enslaving you today? What is, what is keeping you captive? What is that one thing that's like, dang, dang, I want to get away from it. Man, I, I had a hard time. What is it? What is holding you captive? Because, see, this dude was held seriously captive, right? I mean, he, can you imagine what he must have felt like? And see, when, when I think about what's holding us captive, I'm reminded, you know, we just talked about the Red Sea, but I'm also reminded in Exodus, I'm reminded in Exodus 6 and 7, and I love this, y'all, and I've actually preached on this before, but listen, God makes a promise to us. God makes a promise. You know what his promise is? This is his promise. I will free you, verse 6, and you can pull it up if you need to, but I will free you from your oppression. I will rescue you from your slavery. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment, Red Sea. And I will claim you as my own people, and you will will be mine. And then it says this, and I will be your God. God. Yeah, amen. You see, some of us right now, we feel like we're in the dark. You feel like you're going through a period of life where it's like, man, golly, it's like, it's like this dude. He was, he was rolling around in the cemetery, in the tombs in the dark. And a lot of us can, can feel like that. And what we need to claim victory in is that I will free you from your oppression, says the Lord. I will rescue you from what is enslaving you. And I'll redeem you. Not only am I going to free you and rest, but then I'm going to redeem you. Then I'm going to claim you as my own and I'll be your God. And so, you need to know today, I need to, Jesus is not going to leave you. If you're in the dark, he's not leaving you. He is not leaving you. And if you're, if you're tormented, if you're going through whatever, first two words of five says they went. They went across the lake. They went to a hostile region. But listen to this, Jesus will go through a storm to take care of his Tormented to take care of those that are hurting. God will fight for you, Exodus 14, 14. I will fight for you. You see, God gives hope to the hopeless. And you know how I know that? It's because I've seen it over and over and over again. And I love this, y'all. Jeremiah 29:11. I mean, I hear I heard that all the time. It says for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, right? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then verse 13 says this, you will, you will seek me, right? So you'll seek me and you'll find me, get this, when you seek me with your whole heart. With all of your heart, you see. And why would I throw this out? Why would I throw out? Okay, wait. Where is he going with Jeremiah twenty nine eleven in the middle of all this? Well, the Israelites were being held captive in Babylon. They were in Babylon, held captive, and make, don't, can you imagine what they felt? They were literally in captivity. They were hopeless. They were hopeless. And so God, in the middle of that hopelessness, says, oh, wait, hold up now. Listen, the plans I have for you are to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. In the middle of captivity, that's his word. And then he says, seek me. You'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Heart. God wants your whole heart. He wants you to seek Him. He wants you to seek Him in the lost. He wants you to seek Him in the dark. He wants you to seek Him in the storm. He wants you to seek Him in the praises. He wants you to seek Him in the lows and seek Him in the highs. Because He loves you beyond measure. Think about that. You can't measure how much God loves you. It's as far as the east is to the west, he says. An infinite amount of love for you. Jesus is Lord, listen, whatever you got, Jesus is Lord over the darkness, over the dark powers of your life, and we see it here over and over and over again. And the second point, Jesus wants you as you are. And I know y'all hear this. Oh, yeah, I know, man. Jesus wants me as I. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Listen. Jesus wants you just as you are. And there's nothing. He's not saying, hey, guess what, Chris? Look, you go get fixed up and, dude, I'm in. You go straighten your life out and, like, hey, then you come back and it's on. That's not what he's saying. He wants you just as you are. He took a dude that was possessed, and it says, look, the, here, here's, y'all, check this out. The translation right here, the translation, I love this. When it says, what is your name? Something so simple. We, we read like the demons are talking to Jesus. They're like, you know, giving that whole exodus, that whole crazy, you no. Know, what I did earlier. I can't, I'm not going, almost did it. But I'm not going to do it again because it wouldn't have been near as funny. All right, so look. But no, but seriously, look. When that happened and Jesus says, well, whoa, whoa, it says, what is your name? See, the cool thing is Jesus was talking to the man right there. It's so simple, so easy for us to get sidetracked and just be like, Jesus was, wait, what? Jesus was talking to the man. He wasn't talking to the demons. What's your name? And it's so easy for us to overlook that. What's your name? Jesus said. You know why? This is what I think. Because you know who Jesus saw? Jesus didn't see a a demon-possessed guy. He didn't see a demoniac. He saw a a mother's son. He saw a mother's son who was sitting there. He saw a, a child that was playing as his as, their, as his parents loved him. Because that's who Jesus is. He didn't see a demon-possessed dude. He saw somebody worth saving, regardless of what the people thought, regardless of, the, of their fear for this guy. And I, I want to ask you, can you feel this dude's pain? Can you imagine what he felt like in the tombs? Like, you ever felt like that? You ever felt like you're in the tombs? Like, man, nobody gets this. I'm all by myself. I'm, out, I'm over here, and I'm in this boat by myself. I'm Not like, no. And what you need to know today is there's somebody here, I know because I'm telling you, God's been telling me this all week as I've been thinking through this sermon. There's somebody here today that will not turn their life over to Christ because they feel like they're not worthy. And I'm telling you, Jesus sees a little boy. He sees a child of God. He didn't see the brokenness. He didn't see a demon. He didn't see the, he didn't see what you see. Why is that? Because he's Jesus. And he died for you. I mean, like, he died, like, I mean, get, like, he died for you. And it's so easy for that to go over our heads. But it's so personal to him because he's the one that hung there. For each one of you here, myself, he gave up his life in complete torture for you and for me. So not only will he, is he not going to leave you when you're in a boat over here by yourself and you feel lost, no, but he died for you, and he's saying you're worth it. You are worth it, and there's nowhere you can go because he would do it again. I promise you that. Somebody here today needed to hear that. You know how? Because I wasn't going to say it, but it wouldn't go. I couldn't stop the feeling of that. And I would go, Lord, I don't want that. No, come on. No, no. Who is it? I don't know. But one thing I do know, Jesus won't leave you. And he wants you just as you are. And I want you to think about this, and then I'm done. You know, the sermon series is called The Last Sermon, and it's like, look, in, in, in The Last Sermon, if you had a few, things, a few times you were going to be able to get up and, 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 and say anything to somebody about Christ, what would it be? And so that's, that's the thought behind this sermon series. And all I could do, I want you to know this passage radically, radically changed my life. It, I do not have the words to tell you what this did for me as somebody that didn't feel worthy. Because see thinking about Jesus looking out and seeing that guy as he saw him? I can't get away from it. I can't. And so if there's one thing I had to, there's one thing I had to stand before you and say, if I was out, it was like, peace out, you're gone. This is it. I need you to know that you're worthy. And I need you to know that he's Lord over all. All. All he's asking from you is to seek him with your whole heart. That's it. What do you want with me, Jesus? You know what Jesus would say? If you said, what do you want with me, Jesus? He'd say one thing. You. That's what I want. I want you. You. Lord God, as we come before you today, God, I'm so thankful when I think about the brokenness that, that of myself and the brokenness of, of all of us, that God, that you, you took that brokenness on yourself. And so, God, I thank you for that. I thank you, God, that when the Israelites were backed up against the sea, and the only thing behind them was the, was the sea, God, I can see and I can feel the fear they must have had knowing that the Egyptian army was closing in on them, knowing how scared they must have been. But God, your word, we know that, Lord, you split the sea so they could walk right through it. They didn't have to run. They were able to walk. God, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray right now that whoever it is, whoever that person or the people are, that they know that you split the sea for them. That's the God that you are. In Jesus' name, amen.